I've literally been waiting probably three years uh, to do this series, uh, to pull the trigger. I mean, literally, it was one of the first things that popped into my brain when I was told that, hey, you're going to be doing high school ministry uh, now instead of middle school. I knew this was something that I wanted to do, uh, but I didn't want to rush into it. I wanted to spend some time in high school world talking with you, listening to you, observing you, praying uh, over these kind of things. And so I'm very, very excited um, to be talking about this for the foreseeable future on Wednesday nights. And let me tell you why I'm excited. The first reason is this. Um, these topics right now, right now, are actually shaping who you are. Uh, they're shaping who you are and things that you do. I know this for a fact. I see this. Um, questions that you're asking. Uh, the way that you dress. Um, uh, pictures you're putting on Instagram. It's, it's all over that these topics, these things are pressing in on you already. And so they're shaping things about your life. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to hopefully be able to speak into that. You're in a unique season of life. This is why I do youth ministry. You're, you're in transition. And um, I love to be able to speak into that. The second reason I'm really excited about doing this series is um, in ways that are both seen and unseen... You are being discipled. You are being discipled um, by our culture on how to think about these things. No one walked into this room neutral. You already have preconceived ideas about, about all of this, about all relationships. No one walked in here neutral. Even if you had never stepped foot into a church, you, no one walked in here just at, at ground zero. You are being discipled every single day via social media, via the media, via movies, via your music, via your friends, your siblings, whatever, you're being discipled on how to think about those things and how to do them. So it excites me again that I can hopefully go, hey, I want to give you the other side, the, the true side. Now the reason I'm uh, excited is because you do have a lot of questions about these things. Some of you are bold enough to actually ask them and say them, but you have a lot of questions, you have a lot of nerves uh, you have a lot of excitement. You have a lot of preconceived ideas about these things. Lastly, why I'm most excited that I get the opportunity to spend uh, some time with you on Wednesday nights is because we have the truth. I, and I don't say that arrogantly. Many of you, maybe, maybe you walk in and you have, some, you have some real doubts and reservations about this book. You have some real doubts and reservations about the God who we say you know, wrote this book, inspired this book. Um, so I don't say arrogantly that we have the truth, but I 100% confidently say that we have the truth. Uh, in fact, I want to read something out of Second Peter. I want you to follow along with me. It says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's all things that pertain to life. That's dating, that's sex, that's marriage, that's friendships, that's every relationship. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Do you understand what the author of this is saying? First off, he's saying this, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So if you're in this room and the Spirit has given you spiritual sight and you want to do things God's way when it comes to these issues and more, 
We have what we need to do those things rightly. You're going, I don't know, where are you going to pull this dating stuff from? I've never seen the word dating in the Bible. No, you haven't. And you shouldn't. That was, it's, it's basically a 150 to 200 year old invention that we came up with. And we're going to talk about this in, in a lot of detail in the coming weeks. But we have everything that we need. It even says that, that He's given us precious and great promises. Do you know where those precious and great promises are found? In these pages. And I got, just got to remind you, because we're in the South, and you have a mindset that, oh, this is a guideline for living. It's like a rule book. It's a big rule book with a lot of pages. It's got some rules in there, and, and they're good rules uh, to protect us. It's got some guidelines in there. This is a story. This is a story, y'all. It reads like a story, um, and it's just a, it's just a story. And he's given us some really, really cool and great promises in this story. So that's what this text means. It goes, hey, it doesn't matter if you're going, it's not in the Bible. Oh, oh, God's Word has plenty to say about dating, plenty to say about marriage, plenty to say about sex. Guys, it's huge. And listen to the goal. He goes, so that you can escape from the corruption that's in the world. And that, I mean, just think about that. It's mind-blowing. He's going, you're confused. There are things about your life, things that you're hearing, things that you're seeing that are making you think about things maybe in a wrong way. I'll tell you what, I've given you some really great promises. I've written them down. And through the Holy Spirit, when you breathe them in, they will change you. And you can kind of forget the lies of the world. You can escape its corruption. That's a gift. All right. We've we got to get some you know, housekeeping things out of the way before we launch into a pretty big, it's a pretty big deal. So some of you are nervous. Some of you are nervous uh, walking in for this kind of a series. And you're nervous for a couple of different reasons. Some of you are nervous um, because I might hit a nerve. You know, something that I say, something that I'm highlighting from a, from a text. Uh, and again, I told you at the beginning of this, I want to be very clear where, hey, this is Bible truth. And then step over here and go, hey, this is, this is Landon's loving, pastoring, shepherding opinion. These are things that I really want you to be careful of. I want to be, I want to be clear on those two, okay? So I want you to get that. But some of you are nervous because things that I'm going to say, they're going to hit a nerve. Uh, you're not going to agree with them. Or perhaps you've, you've messed up in a lot of areas. Perhaps you've messed up in a lot of areas when it comes to this topic. And so you're going... Gosh, I don't want to just walk out week after week with this, you know, lump of shame, you know, all over my head, just going, oh, I just got beat over the head. So you're nervous because you're thinking that, um, uh-oh, he's going to say something I don't like. And, and that, that might be the truth. Maybe you're nervous because um, you're just wrong on some of these things. Your view of dating, it's wrong. And, and you're doing it wrong, and, and you're harming yourself, and you're harming your significant other, and, and you're going, I don't want to hear that I'm, that I don't want to hear, you know, the, the word no, or I don't want to hear that, that I'm not doing uh, something right. So you're nervous on this end, maybe, a little bit, and there's other reasons you might be nervous, um, but then I really want to, I really want to address this. Some of you might be nervous going, great, I'm going to walk out. Every Wednesday, kind of feeling like a loser. Um, you know, because he's going to be talking about your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you know, like, like all 130 of you have them. And I just want to really put to rest right now and be clear that um, 
That's not how I'm going to address you, and that's not how I view you. And uh, we're going to get deep into this where no one is going to feel isolated. No one's going to feel isolated because what we're going to drill down and get to the bottom of is that whether you're thinking about these things all the time, like I think many of you are, you know, I I think a lot of you are thinking of these three things or a combination of them. But, but no matter if you're thinking about them or you're not, or you're interested in them or you're not, or you're in a relationship or you're not, um, we're going to talk about where your value is found uh, and where your identity is found. And how, yes, I think that you were created to be in relationships. But if that's not the case right now, that is, that is more than okay. So I don't, want you, I don't want you leaving here going, great, it's a series. You know, no one's interested in me. I'm not wanted. You know, there's no, there's no knight in shining armor coming after me. Why's he, who's he talking to? I just want to assure you that this is going to be a safe place for real, real conversation where I don't assume that all of you are, you know, looking at wedding dresses on the Internet. And if you are, get help quick. <laughs> so I just, that's just important for me to let you know I don't assume that. So know this. My goal throughout this entire deal is yes, I want to get practical. I mean, I want to talk about uh, social media and dress and, and physical boundaries. I want to get very practical with you when it comes to all of these things. But much bigger than that, I promise you this is my goal. I want to show you the gospel. And you know, here's, here's the beautiful thing. I don't have to be this overzealous churchy guy who has to bend and twist things. You're going, how does dating show us the gospel? I don't have to bend and twist things to make, it, to make it fit into that. The Bible does it. The Bible starts there. It's, it's to show you that, that these desires and these longings and, and these uh, uh, expectations and questions and, and excitements, they're all hardwired into every one of you. They're all hard, hardwired into you. Relationship is in your DNA. It's hardwired into you. For a reason, it wants to lead you and point you to satisfaction and life in Jesus Christ, God's Son. And I don't have to, I don't have to bend stuff to make it look like that. The Bible does it. All right, so where do we begin? I mean, this is just, these are enormous topics. You would be blown away if you saw, you know, in my library, just the stack of books on, on just one of these topics. So where do you begin? I mean, there's, there's sermon series out the frame, you know, that are floating around out there. There's book after book after book. Where do you begin when you want to look at some of these specific things? I want to start on a, on a foundational kind of overarching level. And what I want you to get just in the next 11 minutes, and again, we're, in, in the coming weeks we get totally bare bones, practical, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. But unless you understand what I'm about to tell you, You'll be totally lost, and you'll be showing up just for, like, dating advice. Um, and you'll be showing up just because, oh, there's some cool clips about culture in there and a cultural rant here and a cultural rant there. If we disconnect what we're going to look at over these next couple of months from the gospel and the truth of, of, of God and His heart, then we've, we've totally wasted time. So you've got to get what I'm presenting to you tonight. You've got to get it. Uh, I'm going to read something out of the book of Genesis. If you have your Bible, I would love it if you would turn there. I'm going to read out of Genesis 1, 
and then I'm going to read something out of Genesis 2. If you don't have your Bible, will you just listen up carefully? Um, really important stuff. Would encourage you, if you have access to a Bible, to bring it. Uh, if you don't, I will, I will find you one, and, and I'll give it to you. You can take it home. So, I, you know, that's where we start. Where do you start? Let's start at the dang, the very beginning. Let's start at the very beginning of this whole thing. So, literally, at the very beginning, I'm going to read out of Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28. Then I'm going to hop over to chapter 2 and read verse 18 to 25. So, starting in Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Flip over to chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 18 to 25. So God's created, He's created Adam. Then in verse 18, He says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what He would call them. Whatever the man called them, every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I'm going to pray, ask God to help us. We're going to talk a little bit, and I'm going to let you go. Father, will you show us what you want us to be shown? Lord, we are bombarded at every circle with, with um, opinions, and, um, and methods and viewpoints of what it means to relate. Lord, what it means to relate to you, what it means to relate to the opposite sex, what it means to relate to in, in friendships. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would be what, what gives us clarity and how to honor you with our lives. Lord, may we find that, that this vertical relationship is of utmost importance if we want any, if we want to make any sense out of these horizontal relationships. Lord, would you do this for the good of your people, for the glory of your name? We ask it only in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, it doesn't take much to see that there are many, many strong opinions, views, philosophies, methods, etc. when it comes to this overarching thing of relationships. When it comes to relationships and, and how we relate to the opposite sex and, and how we relate to each other, it's just no surprise there are so many viewpoints about that. And here's the deal about the year 2013. See, we all live in a really weird time. Okay, We live in a really strange time where all of these opinions and these views, I mean, just the millions of them, 
they're, they're constantly bombarding us, you know, through our uh, devices and um, through our TVs and through you name it. So we're just bombarded 24-7 with basically how to think about these very important things that we're going to talk about in the coming months. That, that's, that's strange. No other generation really has been like that. This is a different conversation even 50 years ago. So we just live in this weird time where we are just this, these testing grounds for what we believe about this and what we believe about that and how we're going to flesh this out and how we're going to think about that. And so here's the reality. There's one camp over here who views relationships like this. Um, they're kind of burdensome. Uh, they're kind of unnecessary. Um, they are restrictive, even. So in one way in our culture, we hate this idea of a relationship and being, being tied down and committed and all that good stuff. In fact, I want to show you a, a quick little clip. I want you to listen to what George Clooney's character says about relationships in a recent film here. Now, this is going to be a little difficult, so stay with me. You have a new backpack. Only this time... I want you to fill it with people. Start with casual acquaintances, friends of friends, folks around the office. And then you move into the people that you trust with your most intimate secrets. Your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your sisters, your parents. And finally, your husband, your wife, boyfriend, your girlfriend. You get them into that backpack. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to light it on fire. <laughs> Feel the weight of that bag. Make no mistake, your relationships are the heaviest components in your life. You feel the straps cutting into your shoulders. All those negotiations and arguments and secrets and compromises. You don't need to carry all that weight. Why don't you set that bag down? Some animals were meant to carry each other, to live symbiotically for a lifetime. Star-crossed lovers, monogamous swans. We are not those animals. The slower we move, the faster we die. We are not swans. We're sharks. Did you catch some of that? He said this in one quote. He said, make no mistake, your relationships are the heaviest components in your life. And this is a guy, his character in the movie, he's a guy who lives in total isolation. He's home like nine, nine days a year, doesn't have anything on his walls, lives in a crummy apartment. He flies all over the country all the time, and he lives in total isolation. And what he's saying embodies a lot of how our evolving culture thinks about any kind of relationship. You know, it's, it's heavy, and, and I don't want it. I'm, you know, that's what he says. He says, you don't need to carry all that weight. Set that backpack down. Um, we're going to dig in, 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 into many more cultural snippets uh, down the road, but here's another rich one you can't miss. Uh, in a men's magazine, there was an article titled, Top Ten Reasons to Stay Single. Yeah, I, I just got to give you number ten. Here it is, number ten. Your career will benefit. When a guy is climbing the corporate ladder, he can't think twice about staying late at the office or hitting the strip club with his boss. 
girlfriends demand quality time, but you won't be able to give it to her if you want that corner office. If you ever hear that guy in the next cubicle just got engaged, congratulations to you. You're going to crush that poor sap while he's out shopping for place cards. Another popular women's magazine, I ran across an article titled The Single Girl Revolution. Putting themselves first and a wedding ring second, a new generation of women fights for their right to be left alone, literally. Okay, so there's a lot of cynicism out there when it comes to relationships, any kind, not just romantic. We're not made for them really, they're restrictive, they're optional, they're burdensome. Yet, at the same time in our culture, don't we idolize them? So you have over here this real cynicism in any kind of relationship, and then over here you have an obsession with them. I mean, the the, the concept of love or the pursuit of it, it sells a lot of records, doesn't it? It sells a lot of books, sells a lot of movie tickets. You know, it's not hard to point to Twilight as just one of the biggest cultural phenomenons ever when it comes to this obsession with a you know with a love story. And you remember how I've quoted some stuff from a site that I found to you before, Twilight Moms, like <laughs> TwilightMoms.com or something. Crazy stuff. I, I cannot help but read you this again uh, just for our purposes here. This is a Twilight Mom. It says, I just read the whole series starting Friday and finishing on Monday. I just want to run away and hide and read and think and dream. I have no desires to be part of the real world right now. <laughs> Nothing I was doing. Listen, it's so... It's, Nothing I was doing before holds any interest to me. I do what I have to do, what I need to do to get by. That's it. Someone please tell me it will ease up, even if just a little. My entire world is consumed and in a tailspin. Signed, Crystal Sweeta. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, but, but if that is your mom, slip out quietly after youth group and, and probably, probably not come back. You, know, you, you get ridiculed. But this is just a snapshot of an illustration of we have this side going, ugh, boys, uh-uh, I'm not getting married, you know, they've, they've done me wrong and this and that. And then you have this side over here that goes, ugh, you're obsessed with this pursuit of love and relationships. You mean nothing if you're not in one, if you're not being pursued, or if you're not pursuing. So there's these two competing realities. My question is this, what does the Bible have to say about relationships? Well, it says a lot in just those few verses at the very beginning of all of this that we just read. And I want to lay it out for you very simply in a way that kind of foundationally paves the way for the specifics of where we're headed. When we talk about opposite sex dating, what that is. When we talk about um, sex and what that is and what it's not. And when we talk about the ultimate thing, marriage, what that is and what it's not. We've got to understand what the Bible says in general about our DNA, how we were wired, why we were created. The first thing is very, very simple, guys. God created us. God created us. You might have issue, again, you might have issue with this book, but the reality is this. There was a creator and he created us. In verse 26, then God said, let us make man. Then God said, let us make man. So he creates. From nothing, he creates. But not only does he create us, God created us, and this is a huge theological thing that you've got to get. God created us in his image. He created us in his image. Look, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
Now we've got to pause there because there's something very weird that takes place. Then God said, then God, singular. Then God said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. So God, singular, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. That's, that's confusing. And you're going, why are you talking about the Trinity in a, in a dating, sex, and marriage series? What, what are you doing? Well, guys, we have to understand that long before humanity enters the scene, God is already a relationship God. Relationships didn't start because he's bored out in a black hole going, man, I, I bet they'd be fun to watch play, you know, lacrosse. I'm going to make humans. That's not what happened. Before man was made, God was already relating perfectly, loving perfectly in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in one. Okay, If you can figure that out and wrap your brain around it, please write a book and you're smarter than me and I will come and... Use your lake house from the proceeds that you get from writing the book that explains the Trinity. Three distinct persons in one. So, so here's an example. Why is God love? It, uh, the culture is comfortable with saying, well, God is love. I like, you know, God's a, he's a loving God. Well, why? You have to have an object to, to love. You can't just love God is love. He's intrinsically love because before humanity, He's perfectly loving God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and vice versa. If we're created to mirror God, you get this. We're created in God's image. We're not created to be little gods, but we are created to to bear His image, to mirror His image, to reflect His image. If we're made in His image, then guys, we are relational people. We are relational beings. This is what you have to understand. God created us for relationships. First and foremost, He created us for a relationship with Him. That's what He did with Adam. He creates Adam, and Him and Adam are perfectly relating, and that relationship exists to glorify or to exalt God. You know what the word exalt means? It it literally means to raise high. Uh, When we get our steeple back or our new steeple why do we put the cross really high above the church and why is it not like backstage or like you know in the sound booth in mike's place we're exalting it it's symbolic we want it high and so this is what every relationship ever dating marriage friendship sibling every relationship is made to point to god to exalt god So Adam, God, perfect relationship. And then God starts creating different kinds of relationships. He goes, hey, this is great. You know what? I'm going to hook you up big time. I'm giving you a woman. So he starts creating these different kind of relationships. And he says, hey, y'all do your thing. Make some babies. Tell them to grow up and make some more babies. I want this garden, this little piece of heaven on earth. I want its boundaries to spread. That's, that's, that's what the garden is. That, that was the original command. Hey, go make this thing go. This is, a, this is a perfect world. Go with it. So God starts creating all these different kind of relationships. This relationship looks different than this relationship. 
There's a romantic uh, element here. There's not here. There's not here. This is the re- the, you know we live in different relationships, right? This is the reason I don't buy uh, Billy Perry flowers on his birthday. You know, or salsa dance with him. I just, I just don't. We have different kind of relationships. But all of these different relationships have the same purpose. To exalt, to lift high the one true God. That's what the gospel does and that's what the gospel makes possible. Sin, it separates us from a holy God. And Jesus Christ, He restores this relationship and then God is glorified in that reconciliation. Last thing and then I'll let you go and I'm a little bit over here. God created us to be relational to exalt Him. This is the foundation of everything we're talking about in the coming weeks. The reason, the reason for every relationship, whether you're in a dating relationship, contemplating one, not contemplating one, you'll ever be in one, you might not. Every relationship was designed to exalt Him. Do you get that? You're hardwired to be relational. Do you you long for friendship and companionship, people who understand you, people with common interests who you can do life with? Of course you do. It's hardwired into you. Do you long uh, for, for romance? And do you long for um, someone to, to d- date and to marry? Good. You know what we're even going to talk about? And I can't wait because you're going to get all squirrely and uncomfortable. Do you want sex? I bet you do. And here's the reality. And here's how you've been lied to. All of these things that we're going to talk about are not no-nos in and of themselves. They're hardwired into us. What happens is sin takes what's good, sex, namely, and it hijacks it and, it, and it distorts it, and it messes it all up. The reason that, that sex and sexual activity is, is restricted outside of marriage, and the reason that pornography is a destroyer, is not because sex is bad. Do you, do you know that? It's not because sex is bad. It's because it's so good and so precious, God will not have what's designed to bring Him glory cheapened. He's not going to have you messing around in the playroom when mom and dad are asleep. He's not going to have you in the back of the car somewhere because it's too valuable, it's too precious and priceless. He's not going to have it cheapened. Do you understand that's why His boundaries are this? He's not going, those things are bad and love themselves. He's going, mess around with it outside of the lines that I've set and things get really, really messy. Alright, I'm almost done. Dating, sex, and marriage. They all find their ultimate meaning in how Jesus relates to His people. In other words, all relationships are all about the gospel. All of these things are designed by God to illustrate, to reflect, to mirror, to image bear who He is. And we're going to put legs on that here in the coming weeks. But again, if we disconnect these things from this gospel reality, then we've just got a feel-good, how-to, crummy waste of time going on. So I invite you, I plead with you, will you come back? Will you come back so we can hear more about, about this kind of king who, who lays his kingship aside to come with, with, with dirty, nasty peasants and he takes on flesh and, and he doesn't distance himself from, from really messed up, nasty people with all sorts of sin heaped on them. He actually goes, I'll tell you what, let's make a trade. I'm going to take all of that and I'm going to give you perfection. 
I want you to come back so you can hear more about that king. Because, because if we're going to do these kind of relationships right and well, they all have to be under submission of that king. And the only way that we're going to submit to that king is if we love him. And if you don't know him, you don't love him. So I want you to come back and get gospel. I want you to come back and get to know this king. Because when, when a vertical relationship and a love for this king is established, all of these horizontal relationships that you're always you know, messing around in and worried about, they're going to start to make sense after you love this king. So will you come back? I really hope that you will. Let me pray. Father God, thank you. Um, thank you that you, you, just as you promised us here in First Peter, Lord, you've given us what we need. You didn't leave us alone. You didn't tell us, hey, come up with some good religious rules. Come up with some stuff to figure out what feels best and what works best. You've given us precious and great promises. Lord, if left to ourselves, we're going to absolutely ignore them um, because they are going to go against our flesh. Lord, if left to ourselves, we're going to listen to the lies of our culture. Lord, the, um, Lord, the deceitful whispers of the enemy telling us to, to date like this, to do this. Lord, may we, may we recognize that you're a God who doesn't break promises, and you're a good God. You called us by name. So keep us encouraged, Lord, would you, in a very real way, teach us, show us this gospel, and help make practical sense out of how we relate to people. We love you and ask these things only in Christ's name. Amen.